Well, good morning. morning. Again. I've got a little bit of a cough, so hopefully um, I can get through this without too much cough medicine here. Um, I um, thought it was kind of interesting this year that the snow canceled our Peace Sunday. Um, And I'm kind of reflecting on that is, you know, because... Advent is a, was a time to look forward to a time of peace, you know, when the, when the Prince of Peace would come. Now we're on the other side of that, and yet there's still not, no peace. Um, I um, think that, you know, we're looking again for the second Advent when, when Christ comes again, that we see the fullness of peace come, and so... It's kind of interesting to me that um, though we don't have the, the candles this morning, I'd, I'd like to speak about peace. Um, <clears throat> but before we do, I wanted to just kind of share um, the hurricane stuff has been made my life really busy, busier than I like it to be. And um, I've not been able to kind of spend the time with and before the Lord as I'd like to. And so about three weeks ago, I was in one of those places where you're like, wow, this just seems to be a one-way conversation all the time. Me asking for stuff and not getting any kind of reply or me, you know, worshiping and not getting any sense of, um, you know, presence of God. And, you know, when that happens to you for, for a season, it's like, okay, what have I done? You think... Something's not right, you know, maybe I hadn't spent enough time, I haven't been faithful, I haven't been this, I haven't been that, I haven't confessed something, and um, <clears throat> I was ha- happened to finally be home on a Saturday morning, so I, I was having my, I just kind of walked into my office and I was thinking, Lord, I really, really would like to just be assured that you love me again. You know, in your head, you know he does, and you have to tell yourself, I know he loves me. His love is everlasting. He says he never leave me or forsake sake you. But then at times it's like, where's the feeling and sense of that, you know, from the closeness? And so I've been, I've actually, Camille, you put me on this a couple of years ago. I've been listening to this Advent devotion from Biola University um, every day. It's about the the length of my my uh, devotions have been during the time I've been working. So I read the devotion and I click this song on, which I was going to play it now as a segue from love to peace from last Sunday to this Sunday. But I think I'll wait till the end of the message and it'll be a time that you can kind of just respond and have time with God. But this song hit me at the, that particular time. It's like, yeah, you're speaking to me. You're you're really you really see where I am and you hear me. And it, it was just that piece of reassurance that I needed to hear that particular song. And so I will, I will play that for you guys at the end of it. But I wanted to kind of talk this morning a little bit about peace. Um, we all long for love. We all long for peace. Um, I um, find it kind of interesting, though, that there's not that much peace in the world today. I was walking out of the my house this morning to, to, to come to Bill's, and 
I've got a Smithsonian magazine that has a flyer on top, and I said, well, I wonder what it's about this month. So I just tore that off right before walking out the door, and it, the headlines on the front of the Smithsonian magazine is, U.S. at War. 17 years, longest conflict we've ever been in, spans 80 nations. I'm like, okay, doesn't sound like the world's in a lot of peace right now. So a couple of weeks back, I was looking at something. And do you know there's a website called the Global Conflict Tracker? And it tracks conflicts in the world. And it it ranks these things from critical to significant to limited. And right now, that, that lists 25 different locations in the world where there are major conflicts going on. And so I, I'm thinking about this, I mean, from South China Sea to Uganda to Somalia, Indonesia, um, all these places across the world where there's conflict and, and, and not peace. And, um, you know, it's not only um, among nations, it's within nations. Um, there's conflict in France. There's conflict in Britain about the Brexit. There's conflict in the United States, you know, between political parties. And so, um, God proclaimed that there would be peace on earth, but we're not really experiencing a lot of it, except maybe within yourself. And then I think at times we get conflicted within. And the scripture we're going to look at today is a very, very familiar scripture, one that most of us know and see during, read during the Christmas time. But it's, it's interesting where it's said. It's, it's Isaiah chapter 9, if you want to turn to it. But the time that this, this prophecy came forward was a, a, a time of unrest for Israel and conflict. It was present in this time when Isaiah was was called to be a prophet. God's people were already in a divided lived in a divided nation um, before he was even called. There was Judah in the southern part and Israel in the northern kingdom. And so Isaiah is called at that King Uzziah's death death to um, present this. And then he, he made prophecy throughout the reigns of Ahaz and Hezekiah and a few others. But during that particular time, God was using Assyria as this instrument of correction for um, his people. So Isaiah warned the people. He forewarned the people. And yet they did not turn back to God. Um, so behind today's passage is this is this um, backdrop of gloom and despair in um, Isaiah 8, 21 and 22. This is what it says about the state of things. They will pass through the land hard-pressed and famished, and it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their king and their God as they face upward. Then they will look back to the earth and behold darkness and the distress, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into the darkness. So there was this conflict that was taking place with the Assyrians and later on with the Babylonians. So 
that's the backdrop. And then if you continue on on the last half of Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah just prophesies, look, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And no less than four times in the latter part of chapter 9, this is, this is what it says. In spite of all this, his anger does not turn away, and his hand is still stretched out against his people. There was no peace in, in their midst at this particular time. And yet, with this dark backdrop comes this promise that we're all so familiar with. Um, and so let me read that. It's, I'm going to read the first se- seven chapters of Isaiah chapter 9. Seven verses. Thank you. <laughs> then if I would be like R.C. Sproul, would y'all stand up for the reading of seven chapters of Scripture, right? <laughs> but there will be no more gloom for her who is in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You will increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence, as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle torment and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. What a promise. What a promise to believe in the midst of those kind of times. Um, So what were the promises? No more gloom. He'll make the way glorious. He'll make it glorious. They'll see a great light. God will multiply the nation. That's include us Gentiles. Thank goodness for such an open, big-hearted God. He will increase their gladness. And He will break the yoke of their burden and their oppressor. So how's God going to do that? A child? A child will be born to us? A son? will be given us. He will govern his kingdom with justice and righteousness. 
He will bring peace where there is no peace. An ever-increasing peace. An everlasting peace. <coughs> you know, the people begin singing and praying for that. <coughs> um, back at the time when David was king in Jerusalem. I mean, he wrote a song that they sang. It's actually Psalm 122. Um, I taught on this song um, last time I spoke at Susan's house. And a lot of you were ministering with Crosswave or weren't here or or wasn't your first time to be here. But um, that, that Psalm, Psalm 122, <clears throat> is all about praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And um, <clears throat> it starts out, <clears throat> excuse me, it starts out with David being very glad to go to the house of the Lord because that's where his, that's where his heart was. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, then the rest of the song is about this place called <clears throat> Jerusalem, which the name itself means habitation of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so the, the, that particular psalm deals with the character of the city, the purpose of the city and the concern for the city it talks about the character of the city, the fact that the city is compact, it was strategic, it was a secure place, it had a structure to it. The psalm goes on to talk about the purpose of the city. You know, Jerusalem was the capital; it was the it was the center of identity for God's people, uh, for worship, center for worship, and the center for judgment. Um, and so there was a concern for the city because it was the place where they their identity was was held. And so the concern was to produce people to pray for peace and prosperity and and not only to pray but the last part of the psalm says to seek its good. And so you look at this, uh, it really is a mirror of how we should look at the church today in these same ways. But the peace that they talk about in this particular psalm and the peace that's in Isaiah 9, um, the, the Hebrew word for that is the word shalom. Uh, about two churches back, we used to sing this song in the morning. Shalom, my friend. Shalom, my friend. I give you good peace i give you good love shalom shalom and and we would walk around we'd have to look at each other and we'd walk around and and sing that song to one another um but i didn't really understand the fullness of the meaning at that particular time you know peace if we say i I want peace for most of us it means the absence of conflict Mm -hmm. you know the global the global conflict uh tracker just tracks conflict and so if there's no conflict then it assumes that's peace but shalom is way way much more than just the absence of conflict um the core concept for what god meant when he said peace was that there would be a wholeness and a completeness in that particular situation you when you say shalom to someone you don't you, you're wishing them uh, a total well-being of their person. Um, it applies to us as individuals. It applies to groups. It applies to nations. Um, 
in 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 Bible times, when kings were at odds with another nation, they were to bring shalom, not just a laying down of weapons, the absence of conflict, but also to begin to work together for the benefit of each other. Now, you don't read very many instances of that happening in the Bible. I mean, it was seldom done. And it's seldom done today. You know, there's a, there's a verse in the New Testament. It's, I'm going to take it a little bit out of context because it's really, the verse talks about the cost of discipleship. But just to, to illustrate the point, there's a verse that says this, Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Now, you know, Bill mentioned something about the spirit of giving and, and, and how sometimes that changes to the spirit of getting earlier. That tends to be the negotiation part for the terms of peace is what I can get and not what we can do for it to be well-being for everybody. Um, But can you see with the right motive, terms of peace bring well-being to both sides? Mm -hmm. That's God's highest. That's what peace really is. It's not this silent um, coexistence. Okay, we got that saw, but we're not talking to each other anymore. You know, that's not peace. That's not what God calls peace. You know, and so when there's a conflict between a husband and a wife, or siblings, or um, employers, or employees, political parties, nations, um, what God, the highest that God wants is shalom between those people. You know, it's not like, okay, T and I, we've got a disagreement about something. Um, I want to get my way. i got the spirit of getting my way, you know. But Shalom says, let's work this out so it's, it's really good for both of us. It's such a high call, isn't it? You know, because we're, we're selfish people. That's why there's evil in the world. We're selfish and we're influenced by Satan who only comes to kill to steal and destroy. That's why we have the state that we're in so many times. But this is the kind of peace that God promised in the midst of all this conflict. And so that's something to hope for. I mean, we still hope for the fullness of that, even within ourselves. I don't know about you, but I I get conflicted inside sometimes. You know, it starts there and then it just kind of goes all the way up to the nation when you get a group of people that are conflicted or they have the spirit of getting then this is what happens there's conflict Um, the interesting thing about it is God is the one who either can give or take away shalom Uh, Isaiah 45 7 says this speaking of God the one forming light and creating dark darkness. That's who he is. He causes well-being, which is peace, or creates calamity. 
Now, does he create calamity because he's an evil person? Every time there's calamity, God's heart is so they'll know that I'm the Lord, so that they'll turn to me. He's looking for redemption, not calamity, you know, in a, in a sense to punish, but to discipline and have people either come to, to him or turn to him. And then the thing ends, I am the Lord who does all these. Mm-hmm. He's the one that does it. So Isaiah pro- prophesies that there would be a king that would come. And that king would make a covenant of peace, a covenant of shalom, and he would and everyone who came under his rule in that capacity, he would be known as the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. At his birth, what did the angels proclaim? Glory to God in the highest. They gave glory to God and what else? Peace. Peace on earth with all that are, are pleasing to him. Zechariah, when he held the baby, Jesus, this is what he said. He said, he, Jesus, or no, he, God, has visited us to shine upon us who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Mm-hmm. Jesus himself spoke often of peace. He in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be what? Sons. They shall be sons of God. That's who we are. And he's called us to be peacemakers. When he healed someone, people that came to him with infirmities, what did he usually say? Go in peace. Go in peace. Not go in forgiveness. Go in peace. Before his crucifixion, Jesus said this to his disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. After his resurrection, three times... In John chapter 20, he told his disciples three different times, peace be with you. Mm-hmm. Peace be with you. Um, so, Jesus made peace possible. You know, I was, as I was, because I've been studying this for a while, you know, it really hit me. How did he make it possible? Mm-hmm. You know, his words that he told his disciples before he was crucified were prophetic about himself. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Because what did he do? He gave that up completely. He came as a human, walked this earth perfectly, in perfect relationship, in peace with God, in peace within himself, and as he approached uh, the crucifixion, he gave up that peace. He was conflicted in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was broken. He became sin. 
He was separated from a perfect relationship with God. He felt ill will. And he was conflicted in body and emotion. Uh, he He was treated by God as a wicked person. Isaiah says, the wicked will have no peace. He became everything opposite of all that God had designed for us in order that we might be restored. You know, we might not have complete peace now, but there's grace there to appropriate. I think God always gives grace. The, The challenge is for us to reach out and take it. You know, a lot of times we just we just want to be selfish. Mm. We we want it our way, but grace is there to work through conflict. You know, with whomever it might be. Um, so the question is, how how are we going to respond to this peace that's been provided? Now we we won't know the fullness of it until the second coming. But there's grace there to appropriate as much well-being and wholeness as, as is possible this side of Jesus coming again. Um, you know, the New Testament, I think it's Paul says, as much as it depends on you, yes. yeah. be at peace yeah. with those around you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard sometimes to take that step, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it? It really is. But there's 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 this high calling of God to walk in this place of well-being and to want that same well-being for the other person or group or whoever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that only comes by God's grace. And so as God, as we allow God to come into that particular situation. He takes away the calamity. He makes a way for there to be shalom for for all of us. And so, you know, my heart is that, um, you know, we come through this this season with a heightened expectation of what Christmas is going to be like this year. Every year, I think, you know, there's this anticipation and expectation. And so, uh, in a way, sometimes we set ourselves up that, well, it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be, you know, Things didn't go quite right. The schedule got all messed up. Somebody didn't show up or somebody said something. And peace can kind of go out and come back and go out and come back. We don't walk in this place of steadfastness in that particular area. You know, I, I'm i going to play this particular song. It's, it's one that's um, actually about love because that's what I needed to hear about at the time. But, you know, as you hear the words... Uh, let me read you the words um, because some of them you're going to understand and some of them you're not. Some people are going to understand some of them. Vianney's going to understand some words you're not going to understand. <laughs> if that gives you a key to what some of the words are. But here's, here's what this song, it's done by um, a group called Taze. They're in Burgundy, France. It's an international um, Christian community. Um, 
and they do songs that are are very repetitive, like in like Africa, like the Africans, to drive home a point oh, of that particular oh. song. So here are the words: Nothing can ever come between us and the love of God. The love of God revealed in Christ Jesus. When I am afraid, Lord, I put my trust in you. In you I trust, I shall not fear. This I know that God is on my side. In God I trust, I shall not fear. Now, if that really resides in us, we don't need to be afraid of trying to resolve conflict. We don't need to be afraid that the other person is going to get better terms of peace than us. God's highest is that all parties walk away with a sense of well-being. That you work together for the good. And so I just ask you to listen to this. Respond as the God has prompted you here. Um, Is it all? Maximum volume. Maximum volume. Okay.
when the fullness of God's love, when you realize that, peace comes. Mm -hmm. Peace comes. Mm -hmm. Father, we just open our hearts that, Lord, you would, we would not be afraid for you to come in and, and deal with those places within us that are conflicted. Uh, Lord, we would not be afraid to embrace one another in places where there's been conflict. Lord, we would not be afraid to enter the world with the message of the good news. Lord, that we would be bold. That we would take your word to people, even if there's conflict in their response. For Lord, we know that their well-being depends on believing, knowing, and walking under your kingship. And so, Father, we pray that we would be ambassadors of peace. Lord, that you would give us the grace, strength, and courage to walk in those places to be peacemakers, to bring shalom to a watching world. In Jesus' name, amen.